What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is another edition of Gentlemen's Talk. I am happy your co-host, DJ Micah B. I got the one and only Troy in the building with me today, co-hosting. What's good, Troy? What's up, fellas, man? Look at this. I'm, I'm back over here. This time I'm on the other side. <laughs> I still want to redo on mine because I don't think it was fair, but we're going to get to that another time. It's not my day. It's, it's GQ day. And of course, y'all know I got the greatest co-host in the world with me. GQ, what's going on? What's good? What's good? What's good? It's another beautiful Wednesday, aka Hump Day, aka Get It In Where You Fit It In. Hey, right. if you can't fit, don't get it in. <laughs> All right, man. We on this uh from the sideline chronicles. We are back, and this time in the hot seat, we got the one and only Mr. GQ himself, the other half of Gentleman's Talk co-host. You ready to get it in? It's gonna be the it's gonna be the only hot seat y'all ever catch me in. Hey, oh, we don't know okay. about that. <laughs> might make you sit in a chair that's actually on fire. Who knows? <laughs> we might just Wouldn't we might just need one more point. viewer, one more subscriber for one million, and be like, "All right, you you do it, GQ, sit in a chair on fire. You you really be in a hot seat? No, not gonna happen. No, I like my ass the way folks. it is. Not listen, my ass is not getting charred behind this shit. One million, we st- we could stay at nine 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 nine. <laughs> Good. All right, man. So let's get this thing started. My man, you know, I know so much about you. You know so much about me. So this is going to be a very interesting interview for the people at home. And of course, that's, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this thing started. Tell us about your upbringing. All right. So I mean, my, my upbringing is pretty simple. You know what I'm saying? I'm from a, I was from a small town country boy all the way up in Kansas in the middle of nowhere. Biggest claim to fame I got from where I was at is that I was in the same city where Wizard of Oz was shot. Uh, Dorothy's Ooh. house was is actually still in that city. It was about 18 minutes away from my house. And it involved me going in, in spirits. And the scariest moment of my life is when I went to my first wax museum, which was also the Wizard of Oz. And that shit scared the ever-living shit out of me because I ain't never seen a wax museum before. Everything looked way too fucking real for me. <laughs> like, so that all kind of happens. Um... I end up in the early 90s, start making trips from here, from, from Kansas down here to Texas. And eventually in 1994, I officially moved down to Texas and became Kansas born and Texas raised. Third Coast boys, that mean we Texas raised. I'm going to sneak in here real quick. What was your favorite holiday growing up? My favorite holiday growing up? Hmm. You know, Fourth of July always been a holiday for me. It's always Fourth of July. The military As a kid, it was, was excuse, it was an excuse. It was an excuse to act an ass because there's number of fireworks shit going on. So it just made sense. It was like a free day to be a bad kid. You know, growing up, hindsight being 2020. You know, now given the situation, I mean, I just call it America Day now. So America, America, America. All right. So growing up, what was your favorite sports? So I grew up a I grew up a basketball guy. Like I when I came to Texas, I had no clue what the hell football was. Like I had never seen it, never played it, nothing. Like nothing whatsoever. I didn't start playing football until I was a sixth grader. So like I discovered that Texas is football country, did not know that until I got here. Like nobody gives a shit about basketball. They do, but not near as they do as football. Cause I was I was that kid, I had a simple dream. I wanted to be a point guard for the Kansas Jayhawks. Still a Jayhawks fan to this day. Like, them my boys. That's my squad. Bill Self is my coach. Like, everything KU, I was like, I'm going to be a point guard for them one day until you realize how difficult it is to make it even to college in the first place. And I'm like, yeah, all right. But um, definitely basketball was, is, is a first love of mine. 
um, it'll always be there. But then track and field literally owns my life. Like track is where I figured out that's where I excel in the absolute best. I ran track right. too. Oh yeah, were you fast? Until I oh you want to know fast? I was just telling one of my friends the story. Story time. <laughs> story time. Uh, I was out in New York Christmas with my best friend at his mom's house, and he had got a Wii, and I believe he needed batteries. So we ran down to the corner store and we decided to race each other back. But we didn't know his sister was in the window watching us. So we just booking it back. And all we hear is, I can see the top half of you, not your legs. That's all we heard. She couldn't see our legs. That's how fast she was running. Yeah, I'm a fast boy. Couldn't okay. catch me. All right, if I got going, you wasn't catching me. That's why I never like ran, like jogging up people work out outside. I don't, I only got one speed. I can't work out. I'll be done by the time I get down the block. <laughs> 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 but until I pulled my grind muscle, my, my my grind muscle, that that ended my track, my track and field for me. Tough. So uh, you talked about you you're a track and field guy. I know you to play basketball, football, and track. What went into the process of deciding that you were going to drop basketball and football and just stick to track? So that was actually a very easy decision. Um, so because I played a lot of basketball, I played all the way up through my sophomore year of high school. Um. And then football, I played my freshman year, and I started with it my, during my sophomore, and then I stopped playing because I really couldn't get down with all the favoritism and all of the politics that go on with football. Like, I I just – I've never been a fan of the favoritism thing. That's probably what pushed me into the realm of becoming a coach as well. But um, basketball, I still had the, the athleticism, the passion. I played point guard in middle school. All of a sudden, I come to high school, they got me playing small forward because I had a hell of a vertical, and I can jump. You know, I can jump. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. So – but still – I was only five foot nine, but my vertical was out this out this world. So I had they always had me guarding these damn six foot two, six foot three motherfuckers all the time because that's you don't have short small forwards like they just don't exist. But the more and more I kept running track and I got that much better, I knew I knew eventually I'd have to taper it down because in eighth grade we had the district track meet and um, three of us, me, Jeremy McNeil, and um, Michael Mayhan, all cleared six foot at the district track meet in eighth grade at lee high school where the district track me was and coach southall was there that day and he was like what school are you going to and so i told him where i was going he was like, oh yeah i'm gonna be your track coach next year i said oh shit he i'm already chosen well i wasn't chosen for football not for basketball i was like track mm -hmm. all right he's like he already knew what it was I was like all right so my sophomore year is when i decided i was done with everything else except track like i became full-fledged track choir that was it it was track choir i got an ffa got in the spanish club you know the usual high school shit that we all get into so we ain't got to go home was it a was it a person that you disliked in track? No, like on your team, no. Mm -mm. I was no. I became I became the only underclassman to ever be the captain of the track team in my high school for a while. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't. I never really had a hatred for people. Like I no, not hate. Like, I didn't say hate. I mean, that's a. I said well, dislike. I didn't dislike anybody <laughs> on my own team. Like I I had a lot of dislikes from other schools that I definitely did wasn't a big fan of. But Are you, so did you have a rival like a track rival? I one hundred percent did. I 100 did. Or her name? Oh, his name was Will. I'd be gender neutral. Yeah, his, yeah. his name is his name is Will. He went to Kingwood yeah. High School. Um, and if you know anything about this area, Kingwood is a Kingwood is where Nick Wise went for you mm -hmm. college basketball folks. So that's where this kid came from. Will, we have been competing against each other in the high jump all four years, and he beat me. He beat me in district my freshman year, my sophomore year. We both got beat my junior year, and in my senior year, I finally beat him when it mattered most. It came down to me, him, and um, damn, what was it, dude? Damn, Darnell, Darnell from North Shore. 
and we had gotten all the way up to six six and we had a tie so when you have a, a tie in the high jump you have to go into a jump off which means you now have to go to the last height that everybody cleared and from there it gets raised up by an inch and this is how i ended up breaking and making a pr of clearing six foot eight on the high jump to advance to the regional 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 track meet Okay. Damn, six eight. <laughs> Look, to this day, I still don't know how the fuck I got over that bar. I'm still, I'm still the same height. I'm Great still adrenaline. Five, I'm still five foot nine, and I'm my legs Straight adrenaline, a will and adrenaline. You didn't want to lose that day. Nah, I was tired of losing that motherfucker. It was just a skinny ass white boy. <laughs> Damn, like, that's what I said. Hey, that's the will. Like, hey, that's the will to win, bro. That's the will to win. That was Troy. Troy cares about the will to win when it comes to sports. If you got the will to win, you gonna win. And he had the will to win right there. He won. Some people just don't got the will to win, man. I didn't have the will to win because I ran one track meet. But before I could run my second one, I pulled my muscle. I did one, and my 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 gym coach was like, "All right, I want you to take a practice run so you know the course." But when after the practice run, where they said, "Hey, everybody, get to the starting line," starting line was on top of a hill. We didn't practice that. Mm-hmm. We didn't practice running down a hill. <laughs> Man, I'm, by the time I got to the bottom, I, think I was so gassed, I walked. <laughs> I walked. <laughs> I walked. I was so tired. People passing me. Come on. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> Fuck y'all. Nope. I'm good. The hill killed me. And then I'll run a little bit and I start walking again. But I finished, I think, in what, one? I was like in one, 120 or something at 170 people. So I didn't finish bad. <laughs> not for walking. Not, hey, not for walking. <laughs> not for walking. Last. So my teacher was mad. But uh, what was one of your happiest childhood moments? My happiest childhood moments? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Had quite a few of those. I got them today. He said I got them I today. think probably one of the... Probably one of the happier happier moments I have is um we had this we had this um I was I was nine going on ten um it was Christmas time and we went like all the way through like October and November and like early December and there was like nothing underneath the Christmas tree like nothing at all and I knew because of my situation I knew you know my mom was working multiple jobs you know trying to you know making me the norm you know saying nothing mm-hmm. that we don't already know about and um. One day, some some this random random guy knocks on the door. I don't, I have no idea who this guy is. So of course I'm at home. I was like I'm not, I say a stranger danger. I'm not answering the phone or the the door. Excuse me. So my mom went and answered the phone. I mean answered the door and she's seen this dude and he pulls up. He has a trash bag in his hand. I'm like all right, this is kind of sketchy, but she would let us see what was in the trash bag. So she made us all go to our rooms and shit. So the next day, now December 23rd specifically, the tree was full of nothing but gifts. And mm-hmm. so what I found out later on was that. This guy was just being a good Samaritan, if you will. Like he was going around to people he knew that, you know, couldn't was having a hard time making ends meet yeah. and literally just dropped off a care package worth of gifts. So there was this was the year like I was big into like die cast cars and shit, like you know, the model cars and shit that you build. Mm-hmm. So I got an old school 1990s Coca-Cola truck. That's bright red bright red had the coca-cola label on it like looked like the old school tankers but it was you no know saying coca-cola i thought that was like the coolest fucking toy i'd ever seen like i was like this is fu-. i didn't i didn't want to open it. i didn't want to take it out of the box it was so dope but i was like but i want to touch it because <laughs> it just looked so cool it was shiny mm-hmm. and i was like fuck and then i got another vehicle which was a 1953 bel-air bomb which to this day is my still my favorite Ooh. antique car old school mobster car 
is black, is white, cream seats, still one of my favorite, all-time favorite antique cars. Like, I love that car. If I could ever find that car when I retire, I'm buying that bitch on site. Like, mm. that is a fantastic antique vehicle. But that was definitely a highlight because growing up the way I grew up, you, you know, it was you were just happy that you could, you were just happy you could eat at the end of the day, realistically. Like, let's keep it a buck. Like, anytime we got something, I knew my mom did something to go out there and grind and hustle mm-hmm. and get it done. Like, you know, so I was fortunate. We ended up getting, we ended up getting lucky. We ended up getting a Super Nintendo when I was young because she got it from a garage sale. Somebody was selling it for 40 bucks. Mama had 40 bucks. We had a Super Nintendo. Now me and my sister playing, you know, Street Fighter, Turbo 2, you know, all the usual shit. Mm-hmm. You no, know, had a Nintendo 64. That's back when, when Game Crazy was a thing, not GameStop. Game Crazy. I'm going to date myself yeah. a little bit. Funko but Land. Got it. Got it. Got to use. Got to use Nintendo 64 for about 90 bucks. And that's when we start playing Smash Bros and Pokemon Stadium and, and Fighting Force and Killer Instinct and all these other games and shit. And it was like, you know, so I, I've been fortunate. What's your favorite fighting game? Hmm. Favorite fighting game, Mortal Kombat. I could have answered that one for you. <laughs> Definitely Mortal Kombat. That you was ever played DOA. Yep. Hell yeah. I love DOA. I I, on the, on I'm, I like it. I like it. It ain't, it ain't bad. Game? It's just the uh, the fighting the fighting style on that game is like bizarre to me because you can win a match in six hits and I'm like, there's like no strategy involved in that game. Yes, like yeah. you get the right character and I hit you six times, your ass is done. I'm like, ah. At least yeah. with Mortal Kombat, there's a little bit more strategy and you can't. Yeah, I like Mortal Kombat. You can button mash if you want to, but then once once Mortal Kombat 10 came out, you can start countering shit. I was like, yeah, you might watch. Oh, I didn't tell y'all this story, but when I was in Whoa. um, <laughs> when I was in um, you good? I think that was a daughter that ran across in the back. Yeah, DJ story. Oh. No care, no care in the world. Stop the feed, everything. No care, just the fuck daddy live. I don't care. I don't care about daddy live. I don't care. No, no it's about daddy's live like at all. But um. Now, nah, when I was in uh, college, I met this girl in chem class, and she started hanging out with me and my best friend. And we used to play Mortal Kombat all the time. And it was her first time playing it. And uh, I, I'm a guy that I don't show mercy. I don't care oh, who no. you are. Hell no. I, I, I beat her in two seconds, and I'm not even lying. There's no exaggeration. I whipped her ass. As soon as it said fight, I was on her like white on rice. She got her ass with <laughs> My best friend was sitting there like, Bro, why you I do know. that to her? You had to do it like that. Yes, I did. Yes, she I picked did. Up, she picked up sticks. Yes, I did. Like yes, when I my did. nephew, when my nephew step up, guess what? They get they get smacked the same. That's right. No we got on super. We got on Super Smash Brothers on the on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm gonna beat all y'all ass on this. Beat them all. No more. And they be mad because I beat everybody ass with Kirby. That's what's so bad about it. I love Kirby. Oh. I love Kirby. Kirby is my, Kirby is my dog, man. Like. I ain't even lot to you, bro. Kirby, and then on the new, the, the on the new super, the new Super Smash Bros. Bro, Kirby and Kirby and Lucario is my shit. Lucario is, is yeah, I got a OGF. A of, I got a couple of uh, characters on there. I haven't played as well. I sold my Switch because I wasn't playing it as much. So nah, I you I don't play my Switch near as much as I used to. But it is my when I'm traveling, I definitely bring the Switch. Yeah, I, I don't like packing up the PS5 all the time, so I'll bring the, I'll true. bring the Switch. It's because it's pretty fit right in your bag. I just like I come from the PSP. Like that's what that's the I type look. Of, no, I got your the pocket P- type I got, of shit. I got the, P- I got I got the, the PS Vita. Advanced. I got the PlayStation Vita right now. Still, I never had the Vita. I had the PSP. I, I bought the Vita because I was in Afghanistan when it came out, so I, mm. it was easy to buy. Because I, that's what I like. That I wish they could. I wish they would remaster it because when I played, when you play Madden, this is the one that when Madden when Megatron was on the cover. You mm-hmm. can when you do your create a player, you could take a picture of yourself and it turns you into the. Yeah, animated you for Madden, and I was like, that was some shit the PlayStation Vita had that you didn't have for like the PS4 at the time. 
Yeah, I definitely need to bring one of those handhelds back because I missed I missed the PSP playing that Man. damn. Uh, I forget what it was. It was like, uh, it was a fighting game with like the X Men had all these different characters. I forget Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, I Marvel think so, yeah, Marvel vs. Yeah. Capcom. Yo, me and my best friend used to beat each other down in that game on hey, the porch bro. outside. Hey. Marvel vs. Capcom is a religion over here, hey, dog. Yeah. Bro, we didn't have we didn't have some tournaments at the house for that boy. See, I'm and more of a my, UFC type of guy, so. I ain't gonna lie, shit. I think I think Josh still got the crown for that shit. Yeah, I'm a UFC type of guy. Yeah, we got yeah, one night. yeah like we got Josh, right Josh. Now, I, I took my brothers and my friends upstairs and I can I whipped them seven times in a row. I made them all like, quit. You know, you know how you can tell somebody's really good at a certain game if you watch the characters that they use. And my brother mm -hmm. will use he uses Beautiful Joe and he uses um Wesker. Um, okay. That motherfucker is hard to use. That boy is an expert level. Yeah, savage Wesker. Yeah. yeah, he is. He, my, my brother is a dog. He he murked everybody in the house. We had a, we had a Marvel vs. Capcom tournament, and beautiful Joe and Wesker, were, and he used uh, who else did he use? Oh, Gambit. Yeah, he used fucking Gambit. Oh, I love Gambit. Murked That's our, my favorite X Men character. Straight straight murked our ass in this tournament. Like nobody really stood a chance. So we had to switch it up and play Soul Calibur. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Level the playing ground. <laughs> so you talk about. Uh, your track and field, your sports background, you were in choir, Future Farmers of America, for those of you that don't know what FFA is. Interesting that you you took up military. Were you ever in ROTC? No. Oh, that's interesting. So anyway. I didn't like, what, I didn't what, like it. <laughs> so what, what made you dip and dab in all these different things? I've always been, I've always been the true definition of my Zodiac, which is a Leo. So I'm always going to I'm always going to try to do everything like that's just the nature of the game. As a Leo, we try to do everything we could possibly do, even if it if overwhelms us. We're still like, fuck it, I got to mm -hmm. do it. But I knew I knew dipping my fingers into all these different things also would keep me out of trouble. You know, living in Okadition, which, I, you know, all too well about the reputation Okadition had right behind the high school. So you best believe I wasn't trying to go home because of the fuckery that be going on down there. So. I, I would join these clubs and then I would go to track practice. You know, I'd go to choir rehearsal because I knew I wasn't getting home till till like, you know, after dark. And I yeah. live like three, I live three streets right off of the train track. So it was easy to get to, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to walk the streets at the wrong time. So mm -hmm. I knew I could pinpoint it and I could get home. No problem. But I've always just wanted to be that guy. Like that tries as many things as possible until something just clicks. And for those of you that know the history of any street called Martin Luther King, Yes, sir. <laughs> and, I, and I stayed off of Booker T. Yep. Y'all know that's I got the, hood, the show. Luther, I got a Booker T Projects and I got a Martin Luther King. It's Martin Luther King is a long strip too over here. Oh, it is. And oh, MLK down here in Houston is where they do slab Sundays. Yeah. Mm, that's where all the shooting. Them boys be swang. They be swanging them beautiful ass slabs every Sunday. That should be so lit. And the cops don't do shit about it. What nah, the fuck you gonna do? Be... Is, what you gonna do with seventy fucking slabs at one time? You can't pull them all over. Nah, they <laughs> they down here they be letting they be flying bullets. You see who bullets fly fast. That's what MOK so, stands for over here, Black Power. So, uh, <laughs> you talk about your passion for gaming a little bit. So, what is the game that you would crown yourself king in? I think I know the answer to this one. Hmm. Crown myself the king in Spyro. Now nah, Spyro was a shit though, but no. He said Spyro. Oh no, my that's god. That's what he said. That's what, <laughs> that's what Troy says. It wasn't Spyro. I guess if I had to really and truly, if I had to pick one, it'd have to be Super Smash Bros. 
Hmm. Oh, hey, Spyro. What a do, Spyro, the dragon. <laughs> That's my nigga right there. He's going he gonna to chill with us for the rest of the podcast. Okay, okay. I just wanted to get that out. So let's let's talk about your music a little bit because, like myself, me being a DJ, you have a very eclectic background in music. So 100%. tell me what's your favorite type of music, your second. Just give me a list of, you know, everything you listen to. Well, so I grew up as a I grew up an R and B baby, because that's what that's what my mom that's what my mom always played. Mom always played SWV. She always played Escape. She was always playing you know Tony Braxton, Brandy, like you know all the all the OGs, if you will. You know, saying this Joe, Genuine, R Kelly. You know, then she would flip the script on us and start dropping the 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 hip, the hip hop. You know, Pac and Biggie, Nas, you know, KRS One, LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, just just went in with it. And then, like, every now and again, to be some gospel, you know, that's when I started hearing, like, Kurt Franklin and all that stuff. And I I didn't even know, like, religious music could be be popping like that. But Kurt Franklin had that shit, like, on lot. You know, excuse Kurt my French. Kurt Franklin, Marvin Sapp. Because, oh, man, Marvin Sapp, man. Never should have made more. it. Never. never <laughs> but, um, for me, once I, once I got really good into both of those particular genres, I'm also a product of the 90s where I became a big-time pop pop fan like i owned all the nsync albums 100 um i listened to the backstreet boys o-town tell about it (laughs) christina aguilera britney spears mandy moore hillary duff i just about to say don't forget hillary like hillary was a dog o-town you listen to that one song by jessica simpson yeah like i went in like i I heard them all like um, Ali and, a- 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 and AJ. That's another one. Yeah, Ali and AJ was no, another one. No, it wasn't one. that one. It was two songs by Jessica Simpson. <laughs> oh, you know, one song by her. Yeah. I forgot about I mean, Ali and AJ. Disney Channel babies. Ali yeah, and AJ, man. yeah. And then as I got into my post-high school, about three years into college is when I finally started dabbling into country. Like, I started listening. The only reason I ever da- I dabbled into alternative music was because of American Idol. Because... Mm-hmm. I fell in love with um with Chris Daughtry. Ah Daughtry is my guy. His music Daughtry is that his dude. Mu- he is the first artist I'm that made me cool. listen to alternative music. Because his genre, he's not rock, he's not soft rock, he's alternative, 100 percent If you listen to his stuff, he's all he's alternative. Yeah, I kind of like pop rock. I wanted I wanted him to I wanted him to win. And then when he started dropping music, I was like, like I still listen to his music to this day. Like Chris Daughtry is phenomenal. Well, now it's just Daughtry, but his music is phenomenal. The stories behind mm-hmm. it, like his last album, still to this day has a couple of songs that got me through some really shitty times in some relationships. Mm-hmm. Like he had a song that, like, you know, you always have that one artist that has that one track you'll forever remember him for. Yep. So for for Daughtry, it's it's Broken Arrows. Mm-hmm. Like. And and I'll, I'll I'll put it into context for you this way: If you ever get into a situation where you've, you think you this song will make you think back on a lot of your relationships when shit started falling apart, and Broken Arrows is literally so Broken Arrow is a military term for his time to retreat. That's mm-hmm. what Broken Arrow means. He turned it into I've given you everything I've gotten, and it's like everything I've done and done for you is just Broken Arrows. Like you just mm-hmm. gave up on us, you know. And that song is deep as a deep ass song with a deep ass meaning. But, and then I got, in, like I said, then I got in the country and I started traveling. So I got really good at learning all the dances, the line dances, because country got a bunch of fucking line dances. And I was like, I became and an you expert in turn savage. Me. I thank you for that. Yep, I sure did. I taught a lot of people how to do that shit. So we did that. Um, I did participate in a couple of mosh pits because I just wanted to do it. Just say I did it. 
um, just to check that off the box. Never again, though, because boy was dodging elbows like a motherfucker. Weave, weave, weave. Like, weave. Boys, be acting, boys be acting a clown in these goddamn mosh pits, boy. And girls just be doing what girls do. You know, they were just, you know, titties out and everything. Just so excited for no reason. So but excited. They were excited because so they excited. Like, yeah, yeah, but my, my, my music taste now is so is all over the place. It's like my wine collection. It's all over the place. Like, you know, it's all about what mood I'm in. Mm. Okay, so let's transition. Uh, you move. Well, before I say that, let's give a little. At seventeen, you enlist in the military. Correct. Well, you you signed up to enlist in the military. At seventeen, I did my homework. I actually, didn't I just know? But so at seventeen, you enlist in the military before you even done with high school. Correct. Uh, what pushed you to do that? So that's why my name at the bottom says story time because a lot of these I things have stories attached to them. So junior year. Um, we had got ready to go to a competition, a choir competition in South Padre Island. And that was exciting. I was like, first of all, in high school, if you know anything about Padre, you already know what the fuck the business is. So this is a good story, oh, by the way. So a bunch of us got hella excited. We was like, wait a minute, bro. We're about to go to Padre. We got to get fucked up. So we already starting to plot and twist and plan. And mind you, the ones of us that are talking about this is myself, the captain of the track team, the captain of the football team was also in choir, the vice president of FFA, and... um. The um the vice president of the shop group, so you got four you got four key leaders in your school. Oh, and at the time I was also the junior class president too, so I was holding a lot of titles at this time. So we we said, all right, we got to plan this out, and we can't make ourselves look guilty. So if anybody asks a question, it's got to come to one of us, so we can kind of check what's up. So we asked our choir teacher, we're like, um, so I got a question. We bring in one bag, and I'm gonna have it packed on nice and neat and tight. I was like, are they gonna make us dump our bags out and check bags, or like, are we just gonna get on the bus and roll? And when she said. We ain't got time for this bag checking stuff. Just make sure you don't forget your dress uniform. I said, all right, green light. So I linked up one of my cousins, got me a couple of couple of tall boy bottles of the Taka Vodka, slid them bitches in the bag, Ooh. rolled them up real nice. Um, then um, same for everybody else. Everybody brought two or three bottles. So we, we brought bottles. So we driving down, getting ready to go to Padre. We stop at a convenience store. This is back when Volt was the drink of choice. So... For those who know, this is 2007. So, no, 2006. Yeah, 2006. 2006. That's, that's, that's the... Yeah. Uh, so that's when... I haven't Volt, heard that name when, of that being a long time. Yeah. yeah. Volt, Volt is green, and then you had a red one. So we bought both, and we bought... We went in, This this should have been red flags for everybody if you weren't paying attention. <laughs> we go into this convenience store, and we come out, all of us, fucking 44-ounce plastic styrofoam cups, a bunch of Volts, and some other drinks that we was just like, fuck it. And we was in the back pulling up. We was in the back pulling up. We was tearing that shit up. We got the pod In drink. the back where? In the back of the charter bus. <laughs> we was already getting, we was pre-gaming before we got there. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> we knew we was in Padre and we knew we didn't perform till that Sunday. And we got there on Friday. We was like, oh, we finna fucking party. So, and we had a little event going on. So we got, we had an event going on that night. We finally get to Padre and we go to this like assembly hall type of, type of situation. And this guy's up there trying to do their, when they try to hypnotize you and all this shit like that. Yeah. So, so my my dog A, I'm gonna call him A for this story. So he was he was he was gone. Like he was out of there. He was drunk. Captain of the football team. He was donezo. So he was mentally susceptible to being hypnotized. So he basically got hypnotized. The motherfucker was drunk as fuck. Ended up on stage and ended up falling backwards in the chair. And I was like, oh shit. I said, he's gonna get us caught. We ain't even got started yet. Luckily, he played it off real smooth. That shit ended. We go back to the hotel room. We're like, hey, what the fuck are we doing tonight? So Everybody passed out except for me and A. So me and A was like, fuck it. Let's go, let's go to the beach. 
Mind, it's like 10 30 at night. It's like 10 30 at night. So we go to the beach, we got the cooler, and we just walk. We're like, we just find us a nice little spot to set up. We meet these chicks, and they don't know us, and we don't know them. So we meet these chicks out there. We're having a good conversation. They had a cooler out there, too. So we were swapping beers and shit. And then, you know, of course, how one thing leads to another, as we like to say. And so me and me and A decided to, you know, they, they invited us back to their room. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the show is not for kids. So if your kids are watching, I'm not sorry. Hey, I'm not Give sorry. that disclaimer one time for the one yeah, time. One time for the one time. So in true in true epic fashion for, for GQ himself, he had himself a hell of a nightcap. And so did A. And then we decided to say, fuck it. Let's have a tag in. Tag in, switch partners. And get in where you fit in. So we had a great night from that perspective. Got back to the room probably about 4.30. Had to be up for six. Got up, took a shower, and my man put spar. <laughs> took a shower <laughs> a and mic. and so while I was getting situated, um, some of the girls, some of the sopranos and altos kids was coming to the room to come link up with us because we were planning for the for the big bash, which is that night. So I came out and I was like, "All right, cool, let's go." So we go to we go to uh Slitterbond, which is connected to all the hotels. We perform our little pre-performance not even a real performance just like kind of let everybody see what kind of comp- competition is here so we did um micah knows this very well we sung zoom golly real quick one time that's my shit it was because you know saying you control the tempo so we, we got through what we wanted to get through that set real quick so we can go to uh go to slitterbond and play so we did that and then finally we was done for the day so we said all right we're gonna have a beach party tonight no everybody pull up no underclassmen only upperclassmen juniors and seniors only no freshmen no sophomores because y'all ain't earned y'all stripes yet you know saying y'all ain't y'all ain't like y'all ain't us you know what I'm saying? We we in the we in we in the symphonic choir and we in the show choir. Y'all ain't in neither. So, you know, we you you know what I'm talking about. So we go ahead. What you talking about? We go ahead. Yeah. We we go and had this bomb ass beach party. And I mean it was dumb. And it was all of us. It was just and then this other group linked up with us, and we was just like trashed. I mean, absolutely trashed. Mind you, the main performance is the next day. So we went through all the rest of those bottles that night. So we had no bottles remaining. We all woke up drunk. And I mean, drunk. I, to this day, do not know how we performed to perfection to get all ones like we did. But we did. I still That's got horrible. my patch. I still got my I still got my patches. Like, we, we did the damn thing. Like, we killed that shit. And then on our way back, some of the underclassmen that was jealous because they didn't get to party with us decided to uh, drop dime, if you will. Snitches. So we had already had our story on lock. First of all, we brought we brought nothing back. Nothing. No evidence. Nothing. We brought absolutely no bottles back. No souvenirs. None of that shit. We threw all that shit away. We threw that shit away on the couple floors above us just to make sure. Like there was no bullshit. So we get back. She goes through the rotation. She's she asks all of us same questions. I'm I'm the first one in, first one out. She gets to our wood shop kid, and she broke him. Oh, oh she broke him. Boy, she broke him in about five six minutes. My man was flustered red. He was crying. He told damn near the whole story, the parts that he knew of. He didn't know about the the secret, the side, the side quest that me and A was taking care of. So, so we ended up getting in trouble. Went spent forty five days at alternative school. Um, this actually became a big deal because they actually had posted this in the uh, in the Baytown Sun because it was so <laughs> many it was so many marquee individuals that were involved in this situation. You don't typically see the captain of the football team, the captain of the track team, the class president, and the vice president of a major club all get in trouble for the same incident. That's not a common thing. That's so, crazy. All y'all were in choir together. It was so it was so bad because we had to have a meeting with all the principals, our parents, and the superintendent had to come down and sit in this round table with us. Ms. Because Saltis. when you Yeah, at the time, yeah. So when you go to alternative school, they don't offer AP and pre-AP classes. Nope. That's all the fuck we took. 
I had to teach myself government at this fucking school. Like, I had to do all that shit. So they were like, listen, we're going to make a deal with y'all. If y'all can come to two of these Saturday schools, like Saturday, uh, Saturday sack, that's the fuck we used to call it. Yeah. For like eight hours. Then they were like, all right, then we'll take off, knock time off your sentence. So they knocked us down to 21 days. So it was right in time for, for A&M to go get on the football field. I was in the middle of cross-country season, and we still was – we performed our region choir music for the everybody at SCGC. We rehearsed every day to get our shit down. Like, we weren't going to miss a valuable rehearsal time. So we get back to school. I didn't even, I wasn't even back on campus for a week, and I got I ended up getting suspended for, like, four days for setting off fireworks on campus. <laughs> Sound like but me, bro. This is all one story. Like this, this shit is all one story. Like that's what's so crazy. So this is literally all one story. So me, me and my oh, boy, man. me, me and my boy Birdman, um, he came to school with this with the hundred pack of black cats, and I was like, this motherfucker. I already knew what he was thinking. I said, fuck it, let's put it, if, let's put it in the trash can by the dance hall. Mind you, the dance hall's here. There's a camera that literally can see you right here. We didn't know that. We wasn't paying attention. My head wasn't on a swivel. So we threw them bitches in there. And we took off running. And we bolted, bolted to the weight room. Next day, old fucking Neil, Neil Hall. I was on a first name basis with my principal. That's how bad it was. That's he came, he came in. He didn't even call me over the loudspeaker. He didn't send nothing down. He came and got me personally out of class. I was in economics at the time. I was in Coach Chambliss's class. Yeah, I was in economics when he pulled me out of class. And then when I got there, I saw it was him. I saw a Birdman was already there. And I was like, oh fuck, we got caught. like the worst thing you could possibly do i was like bro yeah i thought bro, I, 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 hold on wait, bro, you, you don't you know what went bit. in my head you don't know what i'm like i'm down here just looking at a text real quick and i didn't hear nothing i'm like like, am I Yo, in a I, different I, place? I, I, I said, y'all, hey, am I in a different place? I woke up hey, like, where am I? Hey, G, you, you, you froze for a little bit. I thought I froze and not to, uh, until I seen Troy move. Right, oh. man, because I'm like, <laughs> am I still here? We still on the pod? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are still on the pod. But, um, so, yeah, so we, um, so he showed the video. Like I said, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. It showed me the aftermath of some fuckery I, that I'm a part of. So when the fireworks went off, Miss H had just so happened to come out of the dance hall and she walked past the trash can right before it went off. So all you seen is, no, now listen, Miss H was the crush of the school. That was the thickest white lady I ever seen in my life. She was fine as hell. Mm. So to watch her dance like the old school Western when they shoot at your feet, like the six shooters. Oh man, she did some Holy Ghost meets Western shit and took off. Oh, I started dying laughing in the office right in front of Neil. I was rolling. I didn't give a fuck. That shit was way too funny. No I remorse. Help it. No, because that shit was too fucking funny. Like, I don't know what person could have kept a straight face if they saw that fucking video. I wish I could have got a copy of that shit. That shit was fucking hilarious. But Neil had to watch that at least six times so he wouldn't oh, laugh in front of y'all. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, but it ended up, I ended up getting suspended for three days. And that sucked. But I took a lot of time to just figure out some shit. And I was like, all right, this ain't, this ain't a good look. So... I finally did. I was doing research all summer. It actually came down to me either joining the Navy or joining the National Guard. Those were like my two my two uh, choices. Um, the biggest determining factor that pushed me more towards the National Guard is because I wanted to be close to my mama. Like, that was it. I just wanted to be close to my mom. Even now at the almost age of 34, I live all of 17 to 19 minutes away from my mom right now. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of my turning point and i knew my parents couldn't you know pay if i wanted to go to college and stuff i knew they weren't gonna be able to help me pay for that i already knew that it's not like a knock on them it's just the way i grew up 
So I needed to do something that secured my own future. And I needed to do something that was going to make me a better man. That was my main everything for it. And that's how I ended up joining the military at 17. Now I'm 16 years in and I'm still rocking and rolling. You four years away from retirement, brother. Yeah. So with all of that, right, all Mm -hmm. of the antics and having the fun, did you did you ever admire like having did you ever admire a grown up like in that time or did you find that later on when you find out what you wanted to do in life? Did I, you said my like admire? have you like who was yeah who did you admire in that time like when like while you were going through all those things besides your mother because I know you're gonna look up to your mom in that time. Um, was there like a figure outside the home or somebody inside a school? Actually, or... so it actually was it actually was my track coach. It was Coach Southall. That was somebody that I I I, I admired. Because he gave me a chance. Like that that's I'm forever grateful to Coach Southall because he gave, he took a chance on me. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And that actually came back full circle as well because I worked an event recently at the uh for the Texas High School Coaches Convention and I saw him there. Now mind you, I haven't seen him since I graduated and then I started helping or I volunteered to go and then all of a sudden when I was deployed to Africa, he had his retirement ceremony. But when I saw him and we recognized each other and we had that moment. And I finally got to tell him, I was like, I am where I am today as a coach and all these other things because of you. Like mm-hmm. you are the reason I you are the reason I knew I was going to become a track coach because of the way that we practice and train, the way you were with me, the way you were with all the other guys. And my track program is modeled off of your track program. I just put my own little spin on it. Like I told him that. Like I spilled that shit out. Like I had a I had a borderline emotional moment when I saw him for the first time in that long of a time. Cause that that man meant a lot to me. He still does. He's one of the most important male figures in my entire life. And it just made made me made the decision for me to be a coach that much simpler. Because now I'm a middle school coach and I coach seventh and eighth graders on the regular. And I try to do the same for them like Coach Southall did for me. I give all kids a chance. I don't cut kids off my track team. I tell kids very simply, track is a self-cutting sport. You will cut yourself before I cut you. Like, I've had kids who weren't even on the track team. They just wanted to get in better shape. I said, listen, as long as you don't distract me and cause any problems in practice, you can come work out with us. I don't care. I've always been that guy. So I've had a lot of kids that just wanted to stay in shape, and they would just come to track practice and run with us. Mm -hmm. And I was cool with that. All right, so we talk about uh, Coach Southall and you doing track. Now let's take a transition here. You also are a basketball coach. I am. You are also a basketball coach. I've seen – a couple of your games, you've reached out to me. We talked strategies a couple of times. Uh, compared to how you are as a track coach, they go they um they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand for me because I um I stopped coaching boys basketball a long time ago because I got sick and tired of the egos. I hundred percent got it's the egos. More one of the few one of the few reasons why I dislike a guy like James Harden, why I didn't I couldn't stand like guys like Steph Curry. Like, I love those guys as players, but I don't like the impact they've had on the youth. We've thrown fundamentals out the window because we want to shoot threes from 10 feet behind the three-point line. And that's you're not fundamentally, you're not ready for that yet. You don't have that strength at the middle school level to consistently hit 38-foot three-pointers or half-court threes. Like, you, you're not there yet. You, don't even, you can't even dribble with your left fucking hand yet. Damn, all that. You might not even be able to shoot a three consistently right on the yeah, line. Yeah, so, so it really bothered me. Layup. And, like yeah, and, and, yeah, that too. But like, and and that's what bothered me. And it's because no matter what, and you couldn't tell the boys nothing because their parents had their back. Oh, my baby been playing AAU for da da da. I don't give a fuck. You see this banner behind me? That bitch got one loss on it. We went around here, and I'm not finna. And I tell parents all the time. I was like, I I had the same conversation every year, no matter what sport it is. 
my very first topic. And I say, listen, I stand on my three principles as a coach. First principle is I never buckle to parents. And I make sure they know that. I do not care about your opinion. I don't. I genuinely don't. If you want to bring up something to me, fine. Bring it to me via email. Do not approach me on, on game day. That is, that is coaching. That is my coaching principle number two. Like, you absolutely do not talk to me after a game, especially after a loss. That's Don't facts, talk to me after a guy. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm more pissed. I'm more pissed when we lose than my players are. Because I firmly believe in players win games and coaches lose games. I 100% believe in that philosophy because there's always something as a coach you probably could have done that you just didn't see at that particular time. Now, if the players are just absolutely just cold, then, again, that's why I consider to say coaching is the way it is. I have, I'm the same coach where at halftime I had my team running suicides because we came out so lethargic and flat. And literally at halftime, we ran motherfucking suicides. We won that game, that game by 25. Like That's what it takes. Like, I don't care. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I didn't like that. And then my, th- my third principle is very simple. Let me do my job. Point blank period. Let me do my job. And I've stood on those three principles since in college. Those are all in what's called my coaching pedagogy, which is a thing that I learned in one of my coaching classes in college. And it's basically the principles as a coach that you will stand on. It's mm-hmm. usually taught for teachers, but coaches can use it as well. And alluding to what Michael was saying, he's like he was talking about the 1A, 1B. When I started coaching girls, that's when I really started flourishing as a basketball coach. Like I won a lot of games with the boys, but I changed lives with coaching girls. Like. We, we, I've taken, I'm, I am literally that coach where I can take a team that has like next to no talent and I will maximize the absolute fuck out of them. 100%. 100%. My last coaching stint, coaching these girls that we, that I had, my, those are some of my favorite girls. They were awesome. Wasn't my best team. They were by far, they were not the best girls team I ever coached. But the program that I was with that I still coach track with, but that, though, that girls basketball program at them girls as seventh graders won two total games last year. Two between two teams. They won two games. With me alone, we won six in a, in a span of a year, flip around, turn around. Mind you, the tallest girl on my team was a, about two inches shorter than me. We had no tall girls, but we balled the fuck out. I said, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out what we're good at, and I'm going to maximize it. We were good at defense, and we were good at transition. So I said, guess what the fuck we about to do? We about to press at half court, and we we're about to like make Coach motherfuckers Carter. exhausted. Are we basically us? So Brother, we be out here like Cat Williams, son. What do you feel like doing? Running? We, we coach Carter over here. Run. <laughs> we, we, ran, we ran a one-two-two half court where my person up the top of the key's job was to force that person to one side or the other for the trap. So it was a basic, it was a basic press. Very easy. If you push him to the right, that opposite wing now needs to drop down into the passing lane for the steal. You get that steal, the person that trapped on the outside close to the basket, take off. That ball going down there to the opposite block, catch that ball, make that ball. Mm-hmm. easiest press you can teach and because the girls were athletic i had a couple of soccer girls a couple of volleyball girls and some basketball girls on this team so they knew the instincts of it which is all i needed and we we were very successful we had we had three come from behind victories um we had a game where had the referee literally i'm not playing had the referee actually heard me when i was literally yelling at the top of my lungs about this timeout we were playing one of the top teams in the district we were down 15 and a half. We stormed back in the third quarter to cut that lead down to three. We stopped their best player because this is what, this is the shitty part, right? 
they brought down two of their best players from the A team to play on the B team for this particular week because they were trying to get their B team to a higher seed in the playoff. And we we came within seven seconds of upsetting them. Mm. They were beating every, listen, they were beating everybody by 30 plus. The biggest lead they got up to on us was 15, and we cut that shit down. And it's because of our transition defense, our free throws, and our layup game. And we we got it down to where we were down by three, seven seconds. I'm I'm yelling. We, as soon as we got across half court, I'm yelling, time out, time. I'm yelling it. And I knew this ref game, but it was loud as shit in that arena. But I was yelling. I had the perfect play drawn up. I knew we was going to win that game. I had the perfect play because I'm a clipboard coach. I am 100% a clipboard coach. I will design a brand-new play mid-game, 100%. Because yeah, it depends I, on what you're seeing out there. I used to, well, I used to travel. I used to travel and watch like private schools play or go watch some of the other people play because private private school ball is way different than school than public school ball. 100. That's where I got that press from. I watched a private school run that to perfection, and I was like, I got some athletic girls. I could do this. So I was sitting there with my blank cardstock basketball courts with my pencil, and I drew it. I was literally drawing it. The lady next to me was like. Sir, are you a are you a basketball scout? I said, no, I'm a middle school basketball coach. I'm learning right now. And I was drawing up this play. I drew it up both sets because they ran it in two different types of sets. And I drew it up. I went back and I showed the other coach, said, listen, I think we can run this. And sure enough, we ran it. It became one of our fundamental defensive plays to run to make your to make your dribbler tired because nothing is better than an exhausted point guard because you can't make passes when you're exhausted. Facts. So we made them they had to switch they had to switch ball carriers after a while because we was wearing them out. But that's that's how it was for me. They they'll they'll always be here for me when it comes to it. I mean, like I said, track is my passion, but I, I do love coaching girls basketball at the middle school level, like specifically. It's it's just they the way they buy in, they buy in so much quicker. So since you're speaking of basketball, let's transition back to the time when you were coaching uh boys basketball. I just so happen to be present for this. Uh you know, the <laughs> night before, uh, I never was, in, I wasn't off. I remember this day so well. The night before, I was, uh, I wasn't off on Saturdays, but that particular Saturday, I was off. You called me. I was like, "All right, you had a tournament, first game of the tournament." I think it was, it was after the first or the second. I don't really, I think I don't remember which one it was. But second, that was second. Okay, it was the second game of the tournament. I think y'all were down by twenty five. Yep, y'all were down by twenty five. We couldn't buy a motherfucking basket that day. And I remember at halftime, you went off. I did. I almost broke that fucking clipboard. And <laughs> I remember sitting in the stands. This is one of the best stories I've ever had of, of watching you coach. I'm sitting in the stands, and these parents are like, we got this win, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I know they could hear. I know Jeremy heard me across the court. I was like, I said, it's crazy because y'all are about to lose this game, even though you're up by 25. And I knew it was going to happen just because y'all were ice cold. Talk about making the adjustment and how how was that to storm back from 25 down? I think I ended up beating the team by double digits. We it was did. a crazy flip. So this is another product of why I'm I've always been a Miami Heat fan because of Pat Riley. And Pat Riley was a master of adjustments. And I still think Pat Riley is one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. He's he's on my Mount Rushmore of NBA coaches for all time because People don't understand the levels of intricacy that Pat Riley puts into a game plan. Like you get a glimpse of it if you watch the Showtime Lakers show on HBO Max. But when you really study Pat Riley, Pat Riley is a genius because Pat Riley understood players. And when you understand players, you know how to beat them. 
So you talked about the adjustments. So what I noticed, one, is we couldn't shoot very well. I knew defensively we were doing fine. We were holding them as best we could, but offensively we couldn't get anything rolling. So I said, listen, we're scrapping the playbook. We're not, we're not running plays. We're going to run a set. That's what we're going to do first. We're going to run. A, and that's when I started adopting the ability to some teams can run plays. Some teams are better at running a play set. I said, we're going to run a set. So I set up and designed brand new right on the spot at halftime. Changed the whole game. I said, we're going to run a set. This is our new offensive set. But we're also going to utilize Inferno. So I had Inferno put in the playbook a long time ago. Inferno is you, you guys know this because you guys are basketball. It's when you have your top two players jump the ball. You jump mm-hmm. into that trap. So our code for that was fire. So we knew when I called fire, I had two guys jump the ball. My three, who, who was very athletic, would move right to the top of the key in that passing lane for the steal. So I had to start putting the pressure on them. Mind you, I had two guards who were literally shorter than all three of us. I'm talking about short, short. My man Grayson Van mm-hmm. Pelton and, 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 and Mr. Heron, man. Those were some shorties. But them shorties could defend anything. Those was like It was like I had two Patrick Beverleys on my, on my roster. Mm-hmm. Them, them boys were some dogs. And and I also I was motivated because not only was because Michael was there, but I was also there because my parents were there. You know, saying my my this was the first time my whole family show was at at a game. This was a big deal for me. I'm like, I'm not finna take this L while my whole fucking supporting cast is here. I was like, oh no, 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 no. And so we started applying the pressure. We started applying the pressure hard. I had a 12, 12 kid rotation. I was rotating just to give my kids a break. I said, we're gonna run their ass into the dirt. Like, that's exactly, I told them, I said, we're going to run their ass into the dirt. And we exhausted them in the third quarter, cut that 25-point lead down to eight, going into the fourth. And that was all she wrote. We flipped uh-huh. the script because we started off the fourth quarter on a 6-0 run. Was, they finally was it scored. all she wrote or was it murder she wrote? Oh, it was definitely awesome. murder. Oh, it was murder. Uh, it was, it was murder. definitely I, murder. I pulled, Sound like I pulled, murder to me. I pulled, my, I pulled my starters in the last three minutes of that game, of the fourth quarter. There was, was no need at that point. She wrote because <laughs> them parents was hella quiet. I could hear Micah over everybody, and he's like, "I told y'all this game was over, but it was over for y'all." Like that was one of my proudest moments as a coach because to have a double digit comeback game like that when you're still kind of trying to get your own feet wet coaching was hard. But I trusted my instincts and I trusted my knowledge of basketball from what I'm doing because I don't really watch my players a lot when I'm in the middle of a game. I watch the other team because I want tendencies. Because if I see that the opposing point guard is always looking at the coach for answers, it's not a confident point guard. Attack his ass. Like, if somebody likes to dribble a lot, I said, let them dribble. They're going to make a mistake. And when they make that mistake, snatch that ball from them. And tell them, thank you for the free Christmas presents you just gave me. Take it off and go score. Like, I'm looking for tendencies. I'm looking for what you're trying to do and what you're good at. And I'm going to find a way to take it away from you. Henceforth, my other favorite coach and Bill Belichick. I'm going to take away what you do best and make you beat me a different way once I figure it out. So... That is my entire coaching philosophy in a nutshell. All right. So we talked about your coaching. Uh, we talked about your gaming. There is one more passion that we definitely need to go over here, and we'll get to podcasting after this one. The one more passion I want to talk to you about is your strength and conditioning. You have to be one of the most in-shape people on planet Earth. Um, Where does that passion come from? Because... I can call you five o'clock in the morning if I need anything. I'm like, what you doing? Well, I'm up lifting weights. I can call you eight o'clock that same evening. What you doing? Getting my second workout in or just finished running or doing stuff. Like you're always working on yourself. Uh, talk about what, 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 where does that come from? So it came from adopting the mindset that 
I always wanted to be an athlete. Like that, that's where it started. I always wanted to be an athlete, no matter what. I, I never, I never not, I never not want to be an athlete. I'm to this day, I'm still a pretty damn good athlete. Like, and so what I did is I adopted that mindset. So I, when you adopt the mindset of an athlete, you still train like an athlete. I still have track spikes in my trunk. I still go, I still go run on the track. Like I still go do my sprint work. I still run the bleachers. I still, I'm a big component of functional strength training. I love flipping tires, battle roping. Like I will do it all. Elevation training, mass training. I've done all that shit. Like that is my shit. So the other half of that, as far as a passion goes, is I had a nightmare when I was a sophomore in high school that I was 300 pounds and it scared the absolute shit out of me. I'm dead ass. I've never been a big guy. I've I know. Never been a big I've guy. heard this before. It's just so funny. like, I just said one, like, you know, I just, I can't, if I ever woke up and I was 300 pounds, I think I would lose my fucking shit. Like, cause I was like, I couldn't imagine trying to move around with 300 pounds. Like it wouldn't have made any fucking sense. So I said, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna train my ass off. And then, you know, I insert my daughter into the fold. And I'm like, now I got to be a part of the anti-dad bod movement. I ain't a dad bod guy. Like, I'm just not. I watched too many movies in the nineties. Like I said, L.O. Cooley is one of my favorite actors. And the fact that women would lose their shit when this man took his shirt off, I said, that's got to be me when I get into my 30s and 40s, too. Like, I want to be able to have that spring break body, like, year-round, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can I can go to the beach now and take my shirt off, and I'm cool with it, because I already know what I got rocking and rolling underneath the shirt. I go to the beach, too, take my shirt off. Even with my dad bought it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Moose said he cried. But... <laughs> But it's the truth though. Like I just I couldn't do no it. No dad bods. Hey, <laughs> hey, Moo. Hashtag Troy about to lose his because I'm about to start hitting the gym again, baby. Yeah. So that that's always been me. And then I, I then well, and then I became a competitive athlete because I started running a Spartan race. I ran Spartan race before it blew up. I was running it in 2010 and 11 before it got as sure big were. as it did. Like Reebok yeah. was the only sponsor they had at the time. No, Reebok and Killcliff only sponsor they had. So that's where I met. Sean Ramirez. Sean Ramirez is is in the in his 40s. He has been the CrossFit fittest man on the planet five times in a row in the in the upper ages of 40. Like the dude is phenomenal. So me being able to meet him and be motivated to see that this guy, and I'm not a big CrossFitter. Like I'm not a big CrossFit's not my thing. I don't knock CrossFitters. I just can't train like CrossFitters do. It's not my it's not my cup of tea. But to see this man be in his 40s. Running in a Spartan race, mind you, and killing it. I was like, oh, yeah, I can still do this shit for a long time. Like, of course, my favorite, my, my quarterback, Tom Brady, did it until he was 45. I'm like, I can still do this. I can still compete. And I competed in a Spartan race until I got my trifecta, which means you did three Spartan races in a calendar year, which mm -hmm. means you got your sprint, your super, and your beast done. So when you conquer the beast for the first time, it is a life-changing moment because that is 13.6 miles plus obstacles. And it is a mentally breaking experience. Like there are times where you're like, I don't know if I can fucking finish this fucking race because it's fucking hard. Like it is, it's genuinely a hard race. Like you're filling up a bucket full of rocks and you got to carry that bitch up a hill, turn around, bring it back downhill. Mind you, this bucket ain't got that little handle on it. You got to hold that bitch like a bear or you got to, you know, rest it up on your shoulder or you got to like hold it like a like as a walking deadlift like you your whole objective is just not to lose your rocks in this case but when i finally accomplished that and got my trifecta that was like the the happiest most accomplished day of my life because i completed the three levels of a spartan and i, I was like yeah i can still do this like i can train my ass off and i can still do it. i'm actually that is actually my goal for this year is to um get back in the spartan shape to um start competing again so i am looking forward to that 
Well, good luck, brother. Appreciate it. Damn. That's what's up. So let's get into it. Next summer, I will not have my, my dad by no more. You watch. <laughs> I'm going to have my four-pack back, and I'm going to be good. Don't laugh at my four-pack. What you going to do with the other two? They ain't, got, they ain't there. <laughs> All I got is four. <laughs> That's what I got. I got a four pack, bro. I could work the six in, but the four, right. the four is dead without even trying. I can suck my fat belly in right now, and you can see my four pack, bro. Hey, it's still like there that. within the fat, you know. Hey, it'd be like that. I ain't mad at you. Spartan GQ. That's right. Shout out Spartan, Spartan GQ. GQ. <laughs> so, dude. uh, let's flip. It. Let's flip this and get into the world of podcasting. Uh, obviously, I know the story about how me and you got into the world of podcasting but go it's story time go ahead and and uh share share your side of the story about how this thing got together so me and me and micah have always done this it was just over the phone like we've always done this podcasting thing we've always it was just it really what it was was just us talking on the phone for like an hour and a half about everything going on in the sports world at the time, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, UFC, boxing, whatever it was. And it was literally just us having these conversations. And it was like, man, if we had a podcast right now, we could literally be recording this shit. We could be live right now. And this went on while we were in college together. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we were big fans of watching, you know, first take. Uh, we, we went back and watched when Skip Bayless was by himself on cold pizza. You know, of course, we get up to the days of like, you know, undisputed, and so it was like the the world of sports debate became a big thing for us. And I was like, man, we can do this. And, you know, lo and behold, it took us until we got into our upper, upper, upper adult life where we was like, hmm, I think it's time to actually get this shit rocking and rolling. So on this same day, I just so happened to jump into Amazon and found the Mayono caster on sale. And I was like, hey, this is a sign, bro. The Mayono caster is on sale. It comes with it comes with two mics. We can get this hoe for the low low. What's up with it? So we cut that cost down the middle. I ordered it. It was there in two days. And we started getting it set up. And then we was like, fuck. The manocaster ain't got enough power. We could not figure out how to power the microphones. So I was like, all right. We had every single microphone clip plug you could think of. XLR. We had them all. None of the motherfuckers worked. Because we did not realize that the manocaster did not have enough phantom power to power two mics. It could power one, but not two. So insert GQ again, back on Amazon, trying to figure out the solution to ghost power. And we finally came across these two external battery, external phantom power devices that you run one mic cord through on one side, one through the other, and one into the Mayono cache. And we finally had sound. Our first couple of podcast episodes were fucking terrible with from an audio perspective, not from a content perspective, because we could not get the fucking power down. The edits, like we were using Audacity. And like when I tell you it was taking us, hours to edit one episode to cut out the pauses like our first couple episodes we had so many fucking pauses that shit sounded Bruh. like horrible <laughs> like i was just like god i can't believe this is how we sound right now because i was in the middle of the covid19 response mission so when i wasn't doing anything i was listening to the pod i was like all right so i it would take me an entire work day at least six and a half seven hours to edit every single long pause out until i started learning all the tricks and the trades that audacity had because I struggled at first, and Mike was like, trust me, if anybody going to get it, you going to get it. I probably watched five or six different YouTube videos on every single thing, the fucking editing podcast, Audacity this, Audacity, and I finally found the cheat code. The cheat code are these five basic steps that you do to edit audio to perfection. 
And I didn't know about this. Had I known about this, I could have saved about five hours worth of editing time. But once I figured out that code, which evolved around compression, <laughs> first and foremost, you have to compress the file. Then you can stop the spikes in the audio. And then you've got the, um, the stabilizer to stabilize the sound, to basically synchronize all the sound. And then you have your output. So I was like, after we got that done, oh, everything started sounding clean and shit. It was like, oh, shit, I think we got it. And then we continued. And then every episode after that got better and better and better and better. And, of course, we know how season one ended. It literally caught us with us to blow up. Um, before we joined from the sidelines, um, Gentleman's Talk had gotten all the way up to a number. Uh, we got, we're at number 34. Yeah, number 34, number 34 ranked podcast in the hobbies category. We blew up. Like I thought, I was like, we're about to crack this top twenty. We about to crack. I, we was hype. We was like, we finna crack this top fucking twenty. Like we tried hard, and we never got any higher than 30, 33. 33, No, thirty two. Thirty two is the 32. highest we got. Thirty two is we the highest like, we achieved. We were ranked like top ten in Australia. Yes. Some yeah. Random. Oh no, New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. We were. Yeah, we were top ten in New Zealand. We were top fifteen in Switzerland. We were top twenty in Iran, and uh, there's one other one. We were. Um, because we were top 20 in, um, why can't I remember right now? The UK. We're in the UK. The UK. Yeah. I was like, how the fuck do we have so many international listeners? I don't know where they came from. Because all we did was what every other podcaster does. We, we, I, once we got our RSS feed designed, we uploaded on the Anchor, and it uploaded everywhere else because we were on all the platforms except for iHeart. iHeart was the only thing we weren't on at the time. And we had some people, we had some religious audio listeners. Like, we had a couple of cats, they, they listened to it at work, and they was like, bro, that show was fucking crazy. But the it's it all started with the GQ bomb that spiked us. We had a one hundred and twenty five percent increase in engagement for thirteen days because they were waiting for the next moment where somebody on the show was gonna blow up about some shit. And then we discovered this one random day where this guy named Troy just uh, hit me up, and then he was like, "Hey." I'm looking for a guest for a, for a football show if anybody wants to come in. And then, you know, boom, I jumped on Inside the Huddle. At the time, it was just called the football show. But all of a sudden, sure one, of his co one, of, one of his co-workers reached, approached him and was like, man, who is this? Who is that guy y'all had on the football show, man? That dude was entertaining. He was this guy. John. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't know the impact that we were having. Like, I, because, you know, we had, our, we had our normal listeners. Me and Mike, had, we've had the same thing. We had the same, like, 40 to 50 listeners all the time. Like, so we knew who was listening to the show. I had no idea who was listening to, you know, of course, from the sidelines, because I was just, uh, I thought what I thought was a one-time thing turned into a revolving door of uh, more things. And now, insert now, myself and DJ Michael Beer here with the From the Sidelines family, still doing gentlemen's talk. Now we're also, we're doing video and audio. So it's like, here we are. Shout out, John. I'm texting him right now. <laughs> yeah. Shout out John. John is the one that got us here. <laughs> yeah, John loves uh, GQ. From day one, he's like, that guy GQ, man, he really knows his shit. He really knows it. He really knows his shit. I might have a back, John. Yeah, you need to get GQ on. Every time, yo, GQ coming on is, oh, yeah, he's coming on. I got to watch it tonight. I got to watch it. <laughs> Nigga be eating his food fast. <laughs> <laughs> got to get the GQ. <laughs> Nah, but shout out John, man. Love John. So uh, let's transition more into your family life. You're a big family guy. You love doing things with your family. Two daughters, a teenager, two-year-old, terrible twos, Lord. 
<laughs> Shout out to listen though. That's my partner, man. I have a Talk I have a toddler and I have a teenager. It's horrible. And I don't even call her a toddler. She's a terrorist. I have a terrorist and I have a teenager. Straight up. So talk about your transition into dad life. That was hard. That was hard. Because when you're somebody like me who's always on the move, always on the go, always doing this, always doing that, like I keep I keep myself busy on purpose because one, I ain't trying to go to jail. If I'm busy, I can't be fucking nothing up. So I was always busy. I was always hustling. I was always trying to do something. I was, even if it was like I go to the gym and spend two, three hours at the gym, anything that would keep me from doing something reckless, I was with it. So when you get involved in a relationship with, you know, with a woman that has a kid, first and foremost, that that by itself is a, is a difficult concept already. You know, you be, you go from being the boyfriend to the boyfriend slash the stepdad, you know, given the situation, whatever the case might be. And this all happened during COVID when I, when I made the full transition, because I was fully active for the military at the time. Everybody knows the COVID-19 mission was fucking bananas. So almost three years of that for me. And this is when I met my, met my wife, I met my wife on COVID on, on Tinder during COVID. Let me say that the right way. So we are a product of Tinder. So yes, Tinder does work, but I had no intentions of, being in a relationship from meeting i had no i had no intention of being in a relationship because of tinder we all know what tinder was for at the time it works yeah no tinder Tinder motherfucking works tinder motherfucking works my brother found his girlfriend on tinder too bro so i'm not even surprised tell you right now i'm not knocking them bro i got i got stories upon stories when it comes to that shit but anywho i'm gonna get back on track i met my wife on tinder and we were talking and you know one day i was like you know we're off for the weekend and so she was like you know why don't you pull up no i'll cook something for you and i was like word all right like you gonna offer me free you food you shit. for me nigga I'm, I'm like, you, know, you know what i'm saying like, I'm like, I'm like, I said, all right. so i went through you know saying hat and 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 micah knows this very well he sees all the pictures of the type of cooking that my wife be doing so i never forget eat, this because she made the first meal she ever made for me was uh smothered pork chops with mm. mashed potatoes mm. and gravy and corn. Mm. First meal mm. she ever made from. We weren't even together yet when she corn. made this for me. So we weren't There's together no other yet. Vegetable I was like, that goes with mashed potatoes better than corn, bro. So Nothing. I was just like, that boy Moo is wilding in the chat right now. But, <laughs> <He's> uh, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, like, so we did that. And I was like, man, this is, I was like, dope. You know, and then we started listening to music and we was listening to uh, um, an R&B playlist off of Spotify. And like this, and this is kind of where I knew because for people who don't really know the man behind the name, I got to a point in my life where like the most important thing for me with a woman was the person. Mm-hmm. Does the energy match? Does the personality yep. match? Like it was at. the person. Like, of course, we all have our, I'm gonna call it superficial, superficial standards. We all want like this, that, this. Most more women want this than we do you know, that six foot tall man making six figures, all the type of shit. And I'm like, and you know, sometimes the most guys, I, mean, I just want a chick with a fat ass. You know, everybody has their thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their thing. I care about the person. I care about the person more than, than anything else. Facts. And her person was amazing to me. Like, I fell in love with the person before anything else. I was like, she is, she is exactly what, you know, you I can your life. Be. Yeah. And so we, I mean, we, we was getting it in. I feel you. Like, yeah, I see, look, 
Mooney's no Mooney basically was <laughs> no, spoiling, I know with, spoiling without spoiling, but like you know, I'm feeling then, that right now, you know, I'm feeling that right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I now never forget we finally came across like one particular song. Michael know this song very well, but uh slow jams came on. Usher and Monica. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And, oh, man. We was in that thing. I mean, we were singing that motherfucker back and forth. And then, of course, Nightcap. Yeah, well. Nightcap. First time. Not the last time. Just the first time. So We know it ain't the last time. <laughs> I want to I pause there and ask you something, because this is my last question on my list, bro. I told DJ I'm probably going to get a little weird with this, because I know, I know you guys have, like, little segments where you ask little weird questions, but I'm skipping it today. Cause shit, you talking about your girl and me and her and your first night, shit like that. I want to know about your first kiss, bro. That's what I want to know about. Who that's easy. And how did that happen? That's, oh, that's actually a good one. easy. I actually know. I happen? know. I know the story. That's what's even better. <laughs> so, I got. I got to put that on the screen real quick. <laughs> he turned him into the black. Boom. <laughs> A uh, boom, boom, oh, boom. Oh, Gotta get that. Gotta get boom, that. boom, boom. Gotta get that. Hit Troy a damn fool. I had to post. I had to post that comment real quick. Oh man. Netflix definitely asks if you still watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, All right, first kiss. First kiss actually I'm happened. Happy. It actually happened in third grade. Yeah. I told you. I, I, I have a very, I have a very vivid memory. So we Listen, was, it was we could third talk grade. on camera about this shit. Bro. Yeah, we it was third. We were in third grade. Um, <laughs> we actually had just watched. Um, we were in class. You know, they, this is back when teachers sometimes with teachers sometimes would throw a movie on. So we had watched. Um, we watched Aladdin. And there was a scene, of course, where you know where they kiss from the top of the castle and all that other stuff like that. And I'm sitting next to Nikki, and then we go. You know, we everybody after that is recess time. Everybody at recess, we all playing and stuff. So. We go, this is back when we used to, you know, part, the parks that we had back then was so much more fun than what the kids play with these days. Like, we had the old tires and shit that you would play hide and seek. You know, you could hide inside the tire because they had the whole standing up. So, we went, so we did. So, we went we went inside one of them tires where nobody could see us. And it was like, and we, because we had already been talking about it. And it was like, you see how they did that? It's like, man, we should try that. And sure enough, underneath this fucking blue tire at Crockett Elementary at the time, boom, me and Nikki had kissed. And that was my first kiss in third grade. Well, damn. Tell you, boy, my memory is on lock, boy. I got stories. Listen, like I said, the story I could tell about third grade, I can't tell on live. So we got to talk about that <laughs> off camera. <laughs> off camera. Turn the so, cameras and the mics off. I, you got to read my lips when I say it. Oh, Lord. Mm. Um. So I want to I want to talk to you about. Shout out to Nikki. Something that, something that a lot of people here know uh, on the live know and they don't know. Uh. We got to college, we were in college, and we linked up again. I mean, we had never stopped linking up, but you know what I mean? We we were back together. You had just came back from, I guess, basic training. Yeah. When you came to Lee, and I had just came back from Lamar. Uh, we have a group of friends, and we started Brotherhood. We and sure for did. For those of you that don't know, you hear us say, hold up, God damn it, all the time. It's an LXG Brotherhood. This is the thing here. So December comment on 16th, what, uh, 2010. The party. December 6, 2010 is when <laughs> LXG was established. So, uh, not that we don't got to really dive deep, deep into it, but tell us about some how the brotherhood works, because I think we treat it like a fraternity, and a lot of people outside looking in probably don't understand that. So, what what does being an LXG with these with men means mean to you? So, it's 
it's no it's ironically it's no different than the the movie itself of course we've all seen like the league of extraordinary gentlemen um the difference is we decided to call it the league the league of exceptional gentlemen and it basically became a conversation amongst the the old the ogs if you will the ogs of the group because we we had transitioned from being ahk which is the asshole crew and we had to we, we wanted something more professional because we were really considering getting the the fraternity jackets with the LXG letters on it. Like we were really thinking this far. We were thinking years into the future about this already. But we had come together. We established, you know, everybody got nicknames. If you if you already had a nickname, you just brought that nickname over. Um, so I've had I've had the GQ moniker for a very long time. That is, I've had it for a very long time actually. Um, Mike is up. We had you know we had Wild Child. Of course, we had the Ice Man. We had Ace. Like. We we've had Jew Fresh, which has he has many uh, different names. It all just depends on shout you know, out Jew Fresh. Depends on what your zone. preference is, but we we always wanted to do things together, shut parties down in a good way. So when we started going out, you knew when LXG was in the building. And we was the loudest ones in there. But when and any time, and I'm good that I and Mike has said it already. I introduced everybody to like the country bar scene, you know. And sometimes a lot of black people don't go to country bars. I said, listen, y'all don't understand what y'all missing going to these country bars. So we went to this spot called The Shoot. Shout out to The Shoot in Baytown. Shout out Thursday to The night. Shoot. I Thursday night, there. which is ladies' night. And then we also went to this other spot that we if we shut down called The Electric Cowboy. I say we because we were there on the very last night. It was open. We, we didn't even know. <laughs> we used to shut that bitch down. So when we go out, the whole point of it is to go out, have a good time, be safe. But it, it's the brothers going out, doing what brothers do. And... Now it's a league of it's a league of, of men that are trying to be successful in this life and whatever it is. It's not it's not about being trying to be like a millionaire and nothing crazy like that. It's just being successful, being comfortable, whatever your definition of comfortable is. And that's where we kind of are now in 2023. Um, still doing the damn thing. 13 years it is. Yeah, we got uh, a pretty good, well-rounded cast. Obviously, Jew Fresh is a. A big producer now, big big producer. Big producer. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to see where he started. Um, you yourself, family man, military coaching, personal coaching, me supervisor. You know, it, it, the list just goes on. And to be able to lean on a brotherhood like that is it. It has to be one of the greatest things ever. So, hundred percent. Shout out to the LXG brothers. Shout so out. let's let's hit. Let, let, let's hit hit some uh some rapid fire questions. Troy, you got any rapid fire questions? Rapid fire? Yeah. Uh, favorite snack as a kid? Mm. Oatmeal pies. I knew that. Uh, one. <laughs> favorite soda? I don't drink soda. Favorite juice? I don't drink juice. Favorite water? Grape? Uh, but favorite water? <laughs> favorite like, water. <laughs> but my favorite juice. My favorite juice is actually grapefruit juice. Uh, favorite water is actually um anything alkaline. Alkaline, okay. Uh. Favorite meat to eat. Favorite meat to eat? Mmm. Chicken. Gotta be grilled. Grilled chicken. Not mad at that. Favorite go-to adult beverage. Bread beverage. I can't even fucking speak. Whiskey sour. Mmm. Like gentleman's that. cocktail of bad. choice. It's a gentleman's cocktail of choice. It is a gentleman's cocktail bad. of choice. <laughs> when you go to the movie theaters, do you get the popcorn or do you get the hot dogs or the nachos? Neither. Popcorn or nacho? Neither. Nothing? Neither? None. I don't like hot dogs. You bring at your all. own snacks? Just, that's why I said no. nachos. I switched it out for nachos. I, I the, the movie theaters I go to serve alcohol, so that's what I go into the movie. Oh, he said just give me, let me get two shots of Jack and we'll yeah, get like, out of here. <laughs> that boy Moose. What's your favorite type of fish to eat? 
He said favorite. Uh, salmon is my favorite fish to eat. I love uh, salmon. Let's go, baby. Favorite sandwich. Mm. I don't eat near as many sandwiches as I used to, but it would be uh, a ham, egg, and cheese. It, it would definitely be a patty melt. Yup, it's a Texas thing. Now you know what my favorite sandwich is? It's a ham, sausage, egg, and cheese. That's my favorite. Don't judge me. I'm, I'm not no going to judge you. That shit is delicious. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. All right, um, so. Yeah, I think that's it. Go ahead, DJ. I got one for you. 2003 redraft. You're the GM. Who are you taking number one? Oh, LeBron's still going. Are you still going with LeBron number one? You know, yeah, you're I'm a big not... D-Way guy. I, I, I thought yeah, you were but I don't, I, don't, I don't want any part of that history being changed. That man goes into the Hall of Fame in four days. Count down because I can't wait to listen to AI speech inducting D Wade into the Hall of Fame. So no, I don't yep. want to change that draft order at all. D Wade was to me. What was Jordan was to LeBron? <laughs> D Wade, D Wade, D Wade is my Jordan. He is my Jordan. He no, is I my know. Kobe. He go, he go he's my LeBron. Revis. I would do like, that. Shit, bro. He's sorry, he, he is my like. D Wade is is my basketball spirit animal. Like I yep. modeled my I modeled my basketball game off of him. Yeah, I've been man. watching. I watched. I watched him since. He was at Marquette. Like I was like, this guy is dope because he was the smallest guy on the court, but he was literally he still looked like the best player on the floor. He dove for every loose ball. He was fearless driving to the basket. Dude is still by far, in my opinion, he had the best shot adjustment I've ever seen off of contact. Yeah, I was a big contact yeah. player. Poor Piz. Um, go ahead, DJ. He's on the he's on the phone, so that's <laughs> why so I was like, "Up, oh, got to pause." Real I only quick. got one more question, but I want to I want to see that one for the, your last question before we end the show. Oh, okay, bet bet. I think I got three questions left, and I, I uh, pass it off to you. All right, word. While we take this pause right now, do not forget tomorrow it is all about PVT player. We got versus some team. We got Zamora and Willie with the show. Y'all already know how this thing goes. Shout out, Willie. We embrace the bias over here. The bias. We embrace the bias. And then, of course, Fridays, you got Inside the Huddle with GQ, Moo, and Mel. Football season coming up. Those debates are starting to heat up. And Spyro said, if you don't go check them out, these horns going to be in your rear end. (laughs) And then, of course, on Monday, you can catch me and from the sideline, Troy, of course, with Moo, basket to basket. I had to go get blood taken today, guys. Ooh. They oh, and Boo Wop. I'm sorry, Boo Wop. Yeah, Boo Wop. Yeah, don't forget Boo Wop. I'm second hand man over right hand man over there. I think um, uh we, we should have our special guest from last week back in the building. If you missed this past episode, you might want to go check it out. Hey, goodbye. <laughs> the look on your face from changing from a podcaster to a dad and back to a podcaster is flawless. <laughs> you got to, bro. You got to know how to multitask, bro. You got you to gotta have a, the serious dad ready to go and then get back to business. That's all. Oh, man. All right, but, yeah, don't forget to check out Zamara tomorrow. You know she's going to have some bias. We don't know what she's talking about, but we know she's going to have some good topics for you guys. Got to go check out, man. She loves uh, bringing you guys content and telling you how she feels about James Harden and his stripper and addiction. All right. Had a... That was that was the wife on the phone. Oh, it's all good. We we took some time to promote. She heard, real quick. You, she heard you talking about that first kiss. No, oh, <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. She would. That that's just that's something else about about my, she said my wife. Third grade. It, who gives a fuck? No, that's just something else to me that's amazing about my wife. She like we we don't give a shit about the past. Oh, one hundred percent. You can't. Like 
I can put you. I here's how I know because in her closet before we moved in together, this is like a funny ass. I was we were packing up clothes and I found a baseball jersey, and on the baseball jersey it said "Ho," and the number on the back was twenty four seven. Wow, that was one of the funny. That's another one of them things. So like me and my wife are like literally, we are two hoes who stopped hoeing to be together. I never like, was a hoe still. Oh no! I, oh shit! Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> I was pushing you to wait. Like I was, I was a, I was a running back, stiff no. arming everybody. Back Listen, up. Back, hey, I tell them, Jerm, no. take the passport stamp. I'm trying to you tell you, me? boy, the pass, the passport no. is nice around here. Like I know I said, the passport I tell, nice. When I tell I'm you, like, I got right, stories. I'm trying to be a passport bro, bro though. Boy, I got <laughs> stories upon stories, and and Vegas right. still um, might be the most. The only way I'm going is the only way I'm going is the Philippines. I got a right to Asia. Couple more questions for you. All right, let's get, get some it. rapid questions for you. Favorite place you got stationed in the military? Ireland. Ireland. Oh man, that's a dream my right there. My boy got stationed in Hawaii, and I got another boy who's out in Hawaii stationed out there right now. Okay. Favorite football coach? This should be an easy one. Bill Belichick. Bill. Favorite basketball coach? Pat Riley. You going to the court? You can take. Two people from the uh, I about to say LXG family, Lord Jesus, from the from the sideline family. Who are you taking? I'm taking my partner in crime, DJ Micah B, because I don't have to talk to him. He knows where he's going to be at on the court at all times, and it's easy. And given all these athletic conversations we've been having with all of our people, I have to grab. I'd have to grab Mulich too. Ooh, Troy is still left undrafted, man. Uh, listen, but Troy ain't going to get Troy not taking it personal because his back is out of commission. But if I was still <laughs> balling right now, y'all niggas pass me up. I will be on a plane right now flying <laughs> to Texas to cross his ankles up while he putting his baby to sleep. You feel me? I feel like oh, that's how man. we end up down here. Justin did it. Justin did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I but Mulich is athletic, so I'm not mad at that. I'm actually gonna steal this one from from the uh, from all the smoke because it's one of my favorite questions I hear. So it could be you and five dinner guests. Who would you want, dead or alive? Five dinner guests. Yep. That's actually not a difficult question for me. Um, it would be Will Smith. It would be Denzel Washington. It would be uh, Barack Obama. It would be Jamie Foxx. And it would be Jay Z. All right, favorite Are you R&B still singer. Even Will Smith there, even with the smash. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Does it's either? Um, so he there even does he get a bigger chair because of the smash? No. Are you shrinking his chair a little bit? Just a little mm, bit. He's the same size right around the waist. Right. So, a backstory about me. A lot of my personality came from Will Smith. <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of my personality came from him because that was one of my favorite people to watch growing up whether it was on whatever movie he was in or whether it was from the Fresh Prince, like there was something I always was able to take from him and model it for myself, 100%. I don't know why I was so gravitated towards him like that, but I am still to this day, like I, I, don't, I don't fault what he did. I don't like the way it went up, he went about it because, but I, at the same time, my thing is like this. As a husband, you do what you must to protect your wife. National TV or not. I understand, yes, that was a joke and it was a, com- a comedic thing, whatever the case might be, but I'm like, I don't know. That was The Rock. He still he probably would have slapped. You slapping him, GQ. You. Yeah, you are. Will, Will Smith ain't slapping him. <laughs> that was 50 Cent. Will Smith ain't slapping him. 
Favorite we know R&B who singer. to slap and we and we know who not to slap, bro. Say That's why the Say niggas it. you see that get slapped on national TV is the the ones you can slap. Shut up. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> what do you see get slapped on national TV that the dude that slapped him didn't get no consequences? Like physical consequences. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm from All the right. hood, so that's the only way I'm going to think. That's what I'm telling you. And that's Chris true. Rock's brothers wanted Will Smith, and Chris Rock said, nah. Will, Will might slap 50. Nah, he ain't slapping 50. You crazy. 50 a real <laughs> gangster in New York. He ain't slapping 50. Yeah, y'all better stop sleeping on 50. 50 would have that dude disappear with all his movies. We would have never had a Hancock, uh, a, a Pursuit of Happiness. Nobody will ever remember him. Like, like, what's that movie name? I can't remember it. With Sinbad? Well, that movie don't exist no more, so. Here we go. You talking it about, does, uh, you talking about, is it Kazam? Yeah, Kazam. It don't exist no more. The Rock Knob, but maybe 50. Okay. Uh, yeah, favorite Nob, R- no, favorite 50, R&B singer. That's favorite R&B singer. I mean, I know the answer, but, you know. Nah, it, for me, it was growing growing up for sure. It it was genuine. That yeah, morning, like it just it just was somebody else. I I I, uh, I adopted into my personality style. I could deal with that, Troy. What was the question you had? So my last and final question. I say this for last because I think I think this might be if you're gonna end the show, it might be a good way to end the show. We what will. is one of the greatest lessons? I'm not sure if you grow with your mother and father. But I hear you talk about your mom a lot. What is the one of the greatest lessons you take away from your parents or your mom? Hmm. Greatest lessons that I learned from. Always take care of the ones that take care of you. See, I knew that would be a good way to end the show. We out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you was going to say something like that. That's why I said, no, nah, I'm leaving good. that question for last because I know if I could get that's, it that's all, a good question. you're going to say so good. That's a good answer, bro. I like that. I like that. Well, that's a good lesson. I think uh, this concludes it. I didn't, we didn't really dive too, too deep, but you know, we're going to run a part two of From the Sideline Chronicles to everybody soon, and we're going to dive even deeper. When we do the round table. Cause yeah, the round table is yeah. definitely going to be where it's at. Yeah. It's going to be wild, bro. You ain't going to miss it. Oh, this is different because I'm on the other side. Troy, any final thoughts? Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it. I got to learn a little bit about GQ. Even though me and GQ, you know, we mesh, you know, you guys don't see this, you know, on camera as much because we're not on the same show, but me and GQ are one in the same behind the camera. We think alike. We want the same thing. So I can I can just appreciate you guys, and I want you guys to know that. My final. Thank you. It was fun. It was fun being on the other side. <laughs> like I didn't have to like, and and the funny thing is, which I always think, like a lot of people who who just started tuning in, gentlemen's talk, don't truly understand. Most of our shows, there is no script. None. Like they just is it. These are natural, naturally, these are organic conversations. Call it whatever. W2 are, they are they are grown, they are grown through the questions, and one question leads to another question, and that is how we get by. So you're getting literally live content, like live reactions, everything. So keep tuning in, man. It only gets better because next week I get to come back to that chair and I'm we're gonna get to interview DJ Michael B. And Michael B. About Mr. Caribamatican. Mr. Yep. 
<laughs> there's a lot. There's there's a lot going on in that in that story. So it's gonna be a grand old time. There's a lot going on in my story, I guess. Um, final thoughts for me. Appreciate y'all tuning in every week. Keep tuning in. Make sure you like, share, follow, subscribe. Of course, tune in to play versus teams tomorrow. And in the words of my boy GQ, we out. We out.